You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Tony Morita. He's the pastor of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, and a former professor of preaching at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. So he's both a practitioner and a theorician of preaching. Tony, welcome to Preaching Source. Great to be here. Uh, you're on campus this week uh, because you're one of the speakers for our annual text-driven preaching conference. Where did you first hear the term text-driven, and when would you say you began to be a real text-driven expository preacher in your own ministry? I think I heard text-driven uh, thrown around with other uh, phrases like word-driven, word-saturated, Bible-saturated. Um, all of it was uh, kind of orbiting around the concept of uh, expository preaching. And then when uh, the, the book Text-Driven Preaching came out, it became more of a kind of household term, I think. Um, <clears throat> as far as my own practice of exposition, uh, it began uh, early on. I was, uh, became a Christian in college, uh, was uh, doing some preaching um, uh, in, in, you know, almost immediately after that since a call to preach. And I was a, a baseball player, so I was sharing my testimony. I was, you know, speaking at youth events and different things. Um, but I didn't really know... Um, really much about preaching. I hadn't had any courses on preaching, had never had a class on preaching. And then uh, Jim Shaddix came and did three days of expositional preaching on our campus. And that was the first time I had watched a guy take a text and just expound it and apply it masterfully. And um, it was an Emmaus Road experience for me. My heart burned within me. And I remember saying, I want to do that the rest of my life. And so I was a junior then and ended up going to New Orleans um, essentially to study with Dr. Shaddix. And so that's, that's how it all started. Wow. What, what would you say are the qualities of, of must-listen-to preaching, that, that preaching that just you, you can't escape but listen to it? What, how would you describe must-listen-to? Yeah, I really, I really wish listeners had uh, their own courses on preaching. I think it would be helpful that they would learn to— um, want the right things in preaching. Um, for me, uh, that simply includes somebody who's going to expound uh, the meaning of a text. Uh, he's going to develop the, the, the structure of that sermon from the text. He's going to exalt Jesus um, uh, from the text. He's going to uh, apply the text to the hearts of people. Um, these are some of the essentials. So it has less to do with, uh, for me with uh, style with age, with uh, any of the kind of external appearances that often uh, attract people. It would be more about the, the essence of the sermon, you know, being text-driven and Christ-centered. What, uh, could, you, could you enumerate any what you would call principles of great preaching? Yeah, I think, uh, I think just a, a simple read through the New Testament, and you would see some of the, the primary principles. Uh, I love that Paul in uh, Colossians 4 pr uh, prays for clarity, for example, um, so I think good preaching is clear. Um, it's not ambiguous. Uh, the main point of the of the text and the sermon is just very, very clear. Um, I think uh, it's bold. You see Paul also praying for boldness in Acts chapter six. Um, I think that's one of the one of the signs of the Spirit's work uh, in a preacher is is boldness, uh, mingled with uh, tenderness and compassion, of course, uh, as well. Um, and then uh, you know it's it's. Um, 
obviously text-driven, but it's also engaging in, in, in that it's um, um, showing the relevance of this text uh, to the listeners' lives. You know, So we don't make the Bible relevant, but we do get to show the relevance of the Bible. Um, and so to do that, I think we need to understand our audience well, understand their idols, their hopes, their fears, their dreams, uh, and how this text is co- uh, colliding with their worldview. And so good preaching then is taking truth to struggle, you know, taking truth to that worldview. Ooh, taking truth to yeah. struggle. Yeah. I don't think that's original with me, but I like it too. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of your books is entitled The Christ-Centered Expositor. Well, what is Christ-centered preaching? How would you define it or describe it? Yeah, I'll define it in a certain way, but others may define it in other ways. You know, it's a pretty, um, pretty fluid term these days. But for me, I, I'm operating with the assumption that all Scripture is Christian Scripture um, and that the, the Bible uh, is a unified whole. It's a unified book of redemptive history um, of which Jesus is the hero. Um, I, every text has its own particularities, but it's also set within the context of one big story. And so Christ-centered preaching, uh, to use the, the language of, of Brian Chapel, looks at the text with a magnifying glass, but it also looks at it with a wide-angle lens. And so it's looking at the details of the text carefully, um, drawing out uh, all of the, the important aspects of the text at hand, but also wants to step back and look and see how it fits uh, within the grand story of Scripture. Uh, and so in that way, uh, we're able to identify where this text stands in relation to uh, Jesus uh, and able to um, consider the, the broader context of the passage at hand, So, which is essentially what expository preaching has done uh, for years. It's all about context, 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 and I think Christ-centered preaching is is simply saying, let's let's not stop with the pericope, let's also consider the book context, the, the testament that it's in, and also the, the wider storyline of the Bible. So um, obviously you can only do so much in a given sermon, um, but I think uh, we want to be sensitive to um, trying to identify where this text stands in, in redemptive history, uh, how it does it prepare people for Christ? Does it predict Christ? Does it just show attributes of God that um, show us, you know, His His mercy, His salvation? Does it show us mankind's fallenness that shows why we need the Savior? So there are a number of ways I think to to apply the text that way, to look at it theologically uh, as well as exegetically. So that's that's essentially what what I'm trying to do in, in the Christ-centered expositor is to let's be good exegetes and let's also be good Christian theologians uh, and integrate biblical theology with our expository preaching. Thinking about preachers in general, what what would be your best advice just to the average preacher on, on what he could do? to? I would say a couple of things. One, it's very elementary, but just read the Bible a whole lot. <laughs> There's just no substitute for saturating yourself uh, in the biblical text. Um, Secondly, I would say, and related to that one, um, personal godliness and personal holiness, um, I think, uh, makes up for a lot of our deficiencies uh, in ministry. Um, So uh, we don't pursue godliness, first and foremost, to make up for deficiencies in ministry. We do it to please God, of course, but but I think if a person is walking with God, even if they're not the best preacher, uh, they'll be interesting. People will listen to them. They'll have gravity, you know. Um, and most most of the listeners probably have a preacher in mind that 
you probably wouldn't line him up at a seminary and say he's a textbook, you know, kind of preacher who, who's doing it the way all the guys who write the books say do it. But man, that guy loves Jesus. He walks with God, and it it just uh, it flows out of his heart because good preaching to me is an overflow of our hearts. Um, we preach from our hearts to people's hearts, and so we want to be uh, faithful to the text. But I would just say, saturate yourself in the in the scriptures, uh, walk with God, and then practically to improve. I just think listening to good preaching is is really important um, because this is um, uh, better caught than taught in many ways. Um, it's it's scientific in that we're doing exegesis and theology, but it's also artistic, um, and I think learning to see guys how they. Uh, how they develop thought, how they include illustrations, and those types of things. The more we can expose ourselves to good preachers, we do, not not to mimic them, but just to learn. I think we'll we'll learn a lot as well. Tony, you've spent time in the classroom with seminarians. What what would be your uh, best advice to say uh, preachers starting out early in their ministry to address the common challenges that they would face? What are the common challenges? Yeah, for me, I was, uh, I was shocked by the kinds of issues that was brought to my attention when I first started pastoring. I was ready to debate the Trinity. I was ready to debate the, uh, you know, the inspiration of Scripture. And the problem is no one wanted to debate that in the church. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was more, um, there, there, were, there were other things that I just thought were irrelevant, but it mattered to people. And I wasn't prepared, honestly, to handle the criticism and opposition that I immediately faced in, in a local church. Um, it was, it's one thing to write a position paper and to defend something in a classroom, and it's, it's another thing when you've got church members that <laughs> can be pretty, pretty vicious at times. Uh, and so I, I, I just, uh, we try with our interns to coach them on some of these uh, situations. We bring scenarios to them. How would you respond to this person? We don't put names on it, of course, but but just try to prepare their mind with not everybody's going to like you, man. <laughs> um, and so you need to settle your identity uh, where it is first and foremost, and you need to learn to love people through uh, even through attacks, you know. And so that was that was the hardest thing for me as an early pastor is dealing with that kind of opposition and, and negativity. That's good counsel. Uh, in your book, Faithful Preaching, uh, one of the things that you say there is that a preacher should work strategically to develop a Bible study culture in his church. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How does a pastor do yeah, that? Yeah, I would just say a couple of things. Um, we're re- and, and really, that word culture is important for me because I think leadership does that. Leadership creates culture. And if we're not creating culture, we're not leading well. Uh, when you go into Starbucks, you know they have a culture. Uh, you don't go in and order a hamburger. You know they've got they've got a vocabulary. It's all things coffee. You know they have a few little treats or whatever. But Starbucks, it's branded well. They they, they know what they're about. And so I think uh, leadership is you're you're trying to create a, a certain culture. And one of one of the one of the aspects of that culture for a healthy church is that you're a Bible-centered, text-driven church. So obviously preaching is going to be where that begins. Um, letting people see uh, your goal is not to entertain, it's not, uh, it's not to impress, but it's, it's to be faithful, um, to uh, teach the Bible, um, and then to direct them to good books that are also saturated in the Scriptures, to have classes that uh, continue to dive deeper into Bible study, to emphasize things like Scripture memorization, to... Um, 
um, to recommend other preachers, uh, other resources uh, for the church, to set up uh, book stalls in the church where people can get books accessibly, cheaply. That all of that, I think, is helping to contribute to a culture of we really do care about the Bible, you know, in this church. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been uh, Tony Morita, who's the pastor of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, brother. Great honor.